Thank you. Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Acts tonight. We're going to continue in our Bible study. We're lesson 26 tonight in the book of Acts as we're working our way through the book of Acts. Acts chapter 8, we're going to look at the first uh, eight verses tonight. And I love the theme of this passage. I love the theme of our study tonight, and that's how to bring joy to a city. And uh, we sing the song this time of year, Joy to the World. And truly, we see here in these passages and these verses how to bring joy uh, to any city, any community, any place in all the world. Acts chapter 1, or Acts chapter 8, follow with me as I read verses 1 through 8. And Saul was consenting unto his death, and at that time there was a great persecution. It's not starting out too well. Against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. In verse 3, And as for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women, committing them to prison. Therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake. Hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies, and that were lame were healed, and there was great joy. Great joy in that city. Let's pray together. Lord, help us tonight as we spend a little while focused here in the book of Acts. Lord, as we think about how joy came to the city of Samaria, and Lord, may we realize tonight that that joy was not just for that city. It was not just for those people, and it was not just for that time. And Lord, you can bring joy to any people, any city, any place, any group of people around the world. Lord, as we celebrate a season of joy, as we worship you this Christmas season and think about that first Christmas night as the angels sang, on the hillsides of Bethlehem, proclaiming peace and goodwill towards men, to the shepherds. Lord, I pray that we could proclaim peace and goodwill towards men around us everywhere. Lord, I pray you'd help us to bring joy, just like this man, this good man, Philip, did. Lord, we, we need your help tonight. Lord, would you direct us, direct our minds and our hearts, help us to learn your truth and apply it as you would want us to. And Lord, I simply ask tonight that you would meet the need of every heart. Lord, as diverse as they are, all of us, we all have different needs. And Lord, I'm thankful tonight that you can meet every need in this room. Lord, I pray you would. God, I need you. I need your help. Lord, to preach and teach your word aright. Lord, help me. In your precious name we pray. Amen. The region we mention here in this passage is Samaria. Samaria was a place where the Samaritans live, a people that were hated by most. They were a people that were a crossover of culture. Samaria had been destroyed many years previous to this passage in Acts chapter 8. Now we have a record in verse 8, 
there was great joy in that city. I want to simply see a few things tonight in this passage that will, no question about it, bring joy to every city. My wife loves fresh homegrown tomatoes. How many of you like fresh homegrown tomatoes? My wife loves them. If I brought a fresh homegrown tomato to her, so here I just, now if I brought it to her now, she would question where I had been, somewhere South America probably. But if I brought her a fresh homegrown uh, tomato, she'd be happy. She'd slice it up. She'd put some salt on it. She'd be all excited about it. Herman, if you brought me a fresh homegrown tomato, I'd throw it, I'd throw it at you and yell at you. I don't like tomatoes. Tomatoes are disgusting. Uh, I mean, there was a tomato that Adam and Eve ate in the garden. I'm sure of it. They got them cast out. I don't like tomatoes. I wouldn't be excited about it. It, wouldn't, it might bring joy to my wife, but it wouldn't bring joy to me. Now, if you bring me a double shot of espresso, that, that'll bring me some joy. I'll, I'll get some joy there. Now, this, as we look at these things, understand these things we see tonight will bring joy, not just to Samaria, but any city, any people. Now, it starts a little odd here tonight, but we see, first of all, uh, the first thing that brought about joy. What was it? What was the, the first ingredient, the very first beginning uh, of joy coming to the city of Samaria? Number one, fierce persecution entered the church. Now, that doesn't sound like an ingredient that I would want. doesn't sound like an ingredient that anybody would want thrown in. But the Bible tells us here, we, we could look at the passage there in uh, verse 1 and verse 2 and verse 3, but fierce persecution came. We're talking about people were being killed. We see great lamentation made over Stephen who had preached, and they murdered him, they stoned him, and yet that great persecution would be the catalyst that would lead to joy coming to the city of Samaria. How many of you like mosquitoes? I'm going to punch you out after church if you do. Nobody likes. How many of you hate mosquitoes? I can't get my foot in. I hate mosquitoes. The mosquitoes love me. I have a, I have a landing pad right here. And they like to land right there and suck all my brains. It doesn't take long. Uh, suck all the blood out of my head. Uh, there are 3,000 people in one mosquito. A mosquito is going to land right there. They love me. Uh, they, I must taste delicious to mosquitoes. I love mosquito repellent. Praise God for mosquito repellent. Now, I love the thermocells. You ever use the thermocells? Those are wonderful. But back before the invention of those, the greatest, the greatest mosquito repellent was DEET. 100% DEET. It'd melt your watch band in half. Uh, I mean, you touch stuff, it just melted. It's horrible stuff, but it works great to keep bugs away. But you know, it wasn't some scientist in a lab who said, man, I've got to create a really good bug spray who invented DEET. That's not how it happened. DEET, the chemical compound that we use for years in bug spray, uh, was used as an uh, industrial uh, cleaner and solvent. And they noticed when they used it in that industrial area that the mosquitoes would stay away from that area. And they went, oh, maybe this would be good for mosquitoes. It wasn't created that way. But it became used for that afterwards. We see here that there was, number one, a fierce persecution in the church. In Acts chapter 7, we have the account of Stephen being martyred. Uh, we looked at that. 
And we learn from verse 58 there, and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the young man's feet, whose name was Saul. And then we see in the next chapter, we read about Saul. We read what Saul had done and how he dealt with the church and all the furious things that he did. Verses 1, 2, 3, and 4, we find that Saul becomes a great opponent of the church, an enemy of the church. And by the way, that's why Jesus would say to Saul, why persecutest thou me? It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Paul or Saul uh, was a great persecutor. It says here that a great persecution we see in verse 1 of chapter 8. And then we see the words, notice if you will there, it says that Paul made havoc. He made havoc of the church in verse 3. He was going in people's houses and just, hey, come out with me. I've got a dear friend. Her name is Chorvi Kiyo. Chorvi married another friend of mine. His name is Quinaro Kiyo. Chorvi used to be my wife's roommate in Bible college. Chorvi was born in Cambodia. Chorvi was a little girl on March 31st, 1975. The day that I was born, and the day that Pol Pot would march into Phnom Penh and take over the country. Her family was forced into the jungle, into a prison camp. One day, soldiers came. And as a tiny girl, Chervi watched as they went in and got her dad. And they tied his arms behind his back. And they led him off into the jungle. And she never saw him again. If you know anything about the Khmer Rouge and the killing fields of Cambodia, you know the horrors and terrors those dear people went through. Her mother later would take wet banana leaves and tie them around her little girl. And she would tie wet banana leaves around her feet and around her legs and run through a burning jungle and escape to Thailand to save their lives. I'm sure, you know, we would think Chorvi would want nothing to do with that country and nothing to do with the memories of that. But tonight, she and her husband are serving in Phnom Penh, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. But she witnessed her father led away. Can I tell you that's exactly what was happening in the early church? That's the kind of havoc, the same horror and terror that she lived through we see believers were living through in Jerusalem as they were coming in and taking people out and taking them away to be killed. To be killed. Great havoc, the Bible tells us here. But understand, Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, the Bible says, But ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and of the uttermost part of the earth. You see, God had a plan for the gospel to go forth. A plan that the devil could not quash. A plan that Saul and his fighting against the church could not stop. A plan that the enemies of the gospel could never assuage. As we study church history, we find it happened repeatedly. Great persecution. Fierce persecution. Philippians 1 verse 12 Tells us, but I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather for what? 
the furtherance of the gospel. Number one, there was fierce persecution entering the church. Alexander McLaren said about the passage in Philippians 1.12 where Paul said, it fell out for the furtherance of the gospel. These are his words. A volcanic explosion flung burning matter over a wide area. And those flames sprung up and the gospel went forth. Number two, how did joy come to that city? Believers witnessed wherever they went. Look in verse 1. It says, And Saul consenting unto his death. And at that time there was a great persecution against the church, which is at Jerusalem. Notice, And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. So we see they're spread abroad. They're, they're scattered all over. They're having to flee for their lives. Verse 4 Therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. By the way, that's not the apostles. This is not Peter, James, and John out there preaching the gospel. The Bible says that the apostles, they didn't go forth yet. These are laymen. These are new believers uh, these were people who had followed Christ and then not long after their families were in danger and they had to flee. They were young Christians, most of them. And yet the Bible says that wherever they went, they proclaimed the gospel. Now that doesn't mean that they, they rented a, a community center and, and somebody stood up and uh, they gathered people in and they preached a message. Now they did that. We see that happen, not community centers, but they preached publicly. We're going to talk about that in a moment. But the connotation here is that everywhere they went, they talked to somebody. They, they shared their testimony. They, they shared, hey, what are you doing here? You don't look like you're from around here. Hey, let me tell you the story. I, thought, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I, let, me tell you, let me tell you what happened in my life. And they proclaimed Christ. Everywhere they went, they witnessed. Uh, they gossiped the gospel. We've got a few grandparents here tonight. Brother Maude, how many grandkids you have now? Three. And you're, you're going to surpass them. Uh, I'm not a grand, I'll be a grandparent soon. But, you know, when you find out you got a grandbaby on the way, you want to tell somebody. Rebecca told me, she said, Dad, don't tell anybody. That's not right. I didn't tell, but I didn't. I didn't tell anybody. And I was so glad when the day finally came that I could tell somebody. Now, everywhere I go, man, I get gas. Hey, did I tell you I'm having a grandbaby? Uh, I got to tell everybody. Now, Christian, we ought to be telling everybody about Christ. Amen. We see here that everywhere they went, they were gossiping. They were gossiping the gospel. They were telling the gospel. Uh, Saul became a bitter opponent, as I mentioned, but they still, as they went, they shared the gospel. They talked about the Lord Jesus Christ everywhere they went. There is a uh, phraseology in, in Great Britain. Uh, we don't use it much in our vernacular here today, but a, it's, it's a phrase that started back, I think it was in the 30s. And that phrase is God-botherer. How many of you ever heard that phrase before? First time ever hearing that. The phrase God bother in the UK means somebody that talks too much about the gospel. Basically, that talks too much about God or talks too much about the gospel. Uh, basically, these people were God botherers. 
uh, as the Brits would call them. Uh, they were telling everybody about the gospel. Uh, they were confidently sharing truth. So how do they bring uh, joy? Number one, they, uh, they witnessed everywhere they went. But why did they get there? Why were they in these places? Because persecution, persecution drove them out. Years ago on Thanksgiving morning, my wife and I had been married for a few months. And we went to visit my parents in West Virginia. We were living in Ohio, or living in Indiana. And we were there for Thanksgiving, and Thanksgiving is, Brother Bonnie, that's hunting season in West Virginia. That's, that's the most spiritual holiday in all the world is deer season. And I had a lifetime hunting license in West Virginia, and it's hunting season, and I'm there. And I, I said to my dad, hey, I'm going hunting in the morning. And my dad said, don't stay out all day. He said, it's Thanksgiving. You know, we're going to have a meal. You know, we're going to visit with family. And he said, I'll tell you what, he didn't trust me. He said, I'm going to come back and get you before lunch. Because he knew I would just stay up in the tree. And so I'm up in the tree. I remember that morning I, I made a big pot of coffee and I poured it in one of those giant gas station to-go cups. Remember those giant insulated ones you used to get uh, back at Speedway or some gas station? I carried that in my rifle and I climbed up in a tree about 30 feet in the air, stand we called the tower stand. You just about got a nosebleed up on top of that tree. And I sat there in that tree that morning. I drank the whole pot of coffee. Drank the whole cup, set it down. About that time, I heard my dad. Dad was coming back, and he was going to walk around the creek and come to me. And I got up and got my gun, and I got ready. And as dad was walking around the creek, there was a buck that was sleeping. And he spooked it. And it ran down the creek. It ran through the saplings. And now he's living on the wall of my office. Now, the reason he's living on my office wall is because my dad walked around the creek and pushed him from where he was to where I was. Can I tell you the reason the gospel was going out from Jerusalem was because those who hated the gospel thought they could stop it, and all they did was push the gospel in different places. I said, number two, they witnessed everywhere they went. Number three, one spirit-filled layman. Not a preacher, not a pastor, not an evangelist, although later he would be called an evangelist, was obedient to the Lord. In verse 5, the Bible says, Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. Now, now this is not Philip the apostle. There, there is a Philip who was an apostle. That's not the Philip this is speaking about. If we went back to the passage where the church here in Jerusalem needed to get some men to meet the needs of the widows and the uh, the Grecian widows in the church, they chose out these servants, these deacons. One of them was Philip. Philip. Acts chapter 6, verse 5 speaks about them being full of the Holy Spirit, full of the Holy Ghost. So what did this spirit-filled layman, this servant from the local church in Jerusalem, whose family was being persecuted like everybody else's family, who was facing the same fear from Saul and others, what did he do? Verse 5 says he went to Samaria. Number one, Samaria was a place where Jews did not want to go. They 
avoided it. They would go around it. But he went to Samaria and he did something that was vital. He preached Christ. Verse 5, we see that he preached Christ there in that city, the city of Samaria. The same city, by the way, where Jesus would be at the water, get him water, and ask the woman at the well to give him a drink, and he would have a conversation with her, and he would say to her, if you knew who I was, you'd ask of me a living water that she never thirst again. And, and he said, hey, bring thy husband. And she said, well, you know, I, I don't have a husband. He said, thou hast said well, for thou hast had a few husbands, and the man you have now, that's not your husband. And she went, uh-oh, <laughs> this guy knows everything about me. And she understood he was the Messiah. The Bible says that woman left her water pot, went down to the town, and she didn't know what to say other than, hey, come see this guy. Come, come see a man who's told me all things whatsoever I've ever done. There was a great revival already happened in Samaria. But now we see Philip going there and preaching Christ. Now I want you to think about that. The people that heard Philip preach, most of them had seen Jesus. Most of them remembered the day that the woman from the well came down talking about see a man. And Jesus spoke to them. There was a great revival in that city. But those that did not believe, no doubt they had heard the news. That same Jesus was crucified. No doubt they'd heard the rumors. Man, I heard he, I heard he came out of the grave. Did you hear that rumor? Man, I heard he was seen. I, I talked to people that had talked about seeing him. And then Philip went and preached Christ. He preached Christ risen. He preached Christ as the Messiah. And we see that joy came to the city of Samaria because one spirit-filled layman was obedient to proclaim Christ. In verse 4 it says, Therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere. Went everywhere. By the way, if you look in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, you'll see God's plan was the gospel to go from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria. And Philip went to Samaria. Philip preached Christ there in verse 5. He proclaimed gospel, the gospel there. I'm not going to ask you to turn there for sake of time, but in Acts chapter 21, much later, much, much, much later, as the gospel had moved across the continent and into Europe, much later we find it said of Philip, he was called Philip the Evangelist. But in Acts chapter 8, just Philip the Christian servant. But a Christian servant who went to proclaim Christ. He embarked on his public ministry for the first time here. The lesson for us here is that God used Philip because Philip was available. Philip was available. He was ready to act on God's plan. Verse 26 and 27, and the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip saying, Arise, and go towards the south, and the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, an eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship. Same man, when God needed somebody to go and proclaim Christ, he said, Hey, Philip, I want you to go. Why? Because he knew Philip would go. He knew Philip would get the job done. He knew Philip was available to him. Number four, 
how did joy come to the city of Samaria or any city, we see that Philip went and preached Christ there. Number four, the message proclaimed, the message that Philip proclaimed was full of Christ and his saving work. How many of you like pizza? How many of you like calzones? You ever had a calzone? That's like a, Brother Ma, that's like a pizza. Married another pizza. And then they had like a giant pizza baby. Uh, just folded over, dough all around. In Chicago, there's a place called Domenzo's Pizza. By the way, if you go to Chicago, Brother Krim, do not go there. Unless, unless you're taking an Uber. It's, you will lose your car. It will be stolen. It's a bad, 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 bad part of Chicago. Uh, we never left a car there. One time I left a car outside Domenzo's, but I found a guy on the street and I paid him to watch my car. That's how bad it is there. It's, it's real bad. But you go into Menzo's, if you find a way to get there safely, and you order the calzone, I think they, they call them pizza puffs there. It's massive. It's about two of these Bibles. It's like just giant. And if you get the Italian sausage, and that's the, the one that I would recommend, there's big chunks of sausage, and I don't mean chunks of sausage. I mean like your fist, chunks of Italian sausage. And it's just full of it. I've never been able to finish one. I've only ever seen one person finish one. I mean, you eat it, it's like baseballs of sausage inside. It's massive. It's full of sausage, full of toppings or fillings, I guess. We see the message here, Philip, was full of Christ. It was full of the saving work of Christ. In verse 4, therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. John Wesley constantly cried, give them Christ. Give them Christ. Can I tell you that Philip gave him Christ? Paul, later after he followed Christ, would preach the gospel, the whole counsel of God. We need to proclaim the person and the work of Jesus Christ. His virgin birth, his sinless life, his teaching, his atoning death, his bodily resurrection, his glorious ascension, his return. But he preached Christ. It was full of Christ. It was full of his saving work. And we see there that that's what he preached. The Bible says in verse 6, And the people of one accord gave heed unto those sayings which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Philip preached that he was the Savior. So what is the solution? What's the solution that can bring joy to any city, to any place? It's the gospel. It's the good news. The good news of the gospel. Christ himself is the answer. Number five, lastly, what was it that brought joy to this city and to any city? Number five, the Holy Spirit was at work. And many lives were blessed. When the Holy Spirit works, lives are always blessed. Look at verse 6 through 8. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them. And many taken with falsies they that were lame were healed, and there was great joy. Amen. 
the city. As a result of the powerful witnessing of an ordinary member of the local church in Jerusalem. Just a, a servant. Because of the spirit-anointed preaching of Philip, there was a threefold blessing that came to this city, the city of Samaria. Number one, or letter A, the demon-possessed were delivered. The demon-possessed were delivered. Men and women who were gripped by evil were set free. We see verse 9 through 13. We live in a world where so many are trapped. They're trapped by many demons. If you look in the Old Testament, you find the word witchcraft. You'll find that word witchcraft mentioned. Comes from the root pharmakia, the same word we get pharmaceuticals from in our world today. I believe there's a very strong tie-in with witchcraft and demonism and drugs. I believe in a very real way there were those who were, who were bound in drugs and addictions who literally found freedom in Christ. We see here they were demon-possessed, were delivered. In verse 7, we see letter B, many people were healed. Many people were healed. Notice it doesn't say in verse 7, all people were healed. It says many. Many. God heals today when it's his sovereign will to do so. But that doesn't mean that God is going to heal everybody. Why? Because it's not his will. Paul, one of the greatest preachers, one of the greatest workers for the gospel later that has, has been, that we have record of in the Bible, a man who had great power in prayer, prayed and said, God, give me healing. And God said, no. God, take this thorn away from me. And God said, no, I've got a purpose for it. Why didn't God heal? I mean, he could have done it. But God had a purpose to not heal. God healed here, but understand, a matter of being healed or not being healed is not a matter of a measure of the goodness of God. It's not a measure of the power of God. But we can know that it was God who did the work. It was God who did the work. Letter C. Lastly, we'll close with this thought. And I love this. There was a great many souls who were saved. There was a great miracle here. Those that were possessed by demons, those that were bound, they found freedom. And that is a wonderful thing. And that is a, a blessed and a privileged thing. There that were sick were healed. How wonderful that is. My aunt, that's what I was going to mention. I knew there was something I wanted to share in our prayer request. I'll pull it up quickly so I make sure I get it right. When I was out hunting last year, I think you might have been with me, I got a phone call a day after Thanksgiving from my aunt in Ohio. And she called me about her dear friend. And her friend, her name is Nina. Nina had cancer, 17 tumors in her brain. On top of that, Nina's lost. As of right now, miraculously, and I don't know why God's chosen to do this, but those 17 tumors, now the last time the doctor scanned, she has two. 
The doctors have no answers. All they know is she only has two tumors now where once she had 17. I beg you to pray for her for healing, but most of all that she would understand her need of the gospel. And it is a miracle that God has already worked in her life. It is a miracle the, the direction of healing that has happened. But can I tell you that greater than a miracle of healing is a miracle when someone is born again. The greatest miracle that happened in Samaria were those that were born again that believed the gospel. A great many were saved. The greatest miracle here was those in Samaria that trusted Christ. That's why there was such a great joy in that city. Imagine what it was like after that. After people were healed, after the demon possessed were set free, after many trusted Christ. It was a happy city. It was a happy place. I've been in some depressing places. I've been in some communities that you go there and it's just like there's a, there's a shroud of darkness over it. I remember going into the government housing projects in Chicago and going to share Christ in there and just feeling the oppression in those places. But we see great joy came. And great joy can come to any place when we share Christ, when we tell people about Jesus Christ. And our prayer ought to be reading verses 1 through 8 of chapter 8. It ought to be, God, do it again. God, use me to, to help bring joy to my community, to my neighborhood, to my family, and to share Christ with them. And I pray that God would do so. We're going to pray, and uh, as we do so, we're going to go ahead and, if you guys want to go ahead and head on out and get prepared, we're going to have a couple baptisms here. And uh, we're going to pray. And after we pray, I'm going to ask Brother Colton to come. And uh, we're going to sing a couple songs while they get ready. But let's have a word of prayer as we close. Lord, thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. Thank you for this message that we can look at in the book of Acts. Lord, I thank you that you are the one, the Lord, who brought joy. Lord, that joy came because you were preached. Lord, so often we look at the bad things in our life and the difficulties. Lord, so often we look at the struggles and we get angry. We doubt. But Lord, may we see tonight that you're able even to use those things you can cause them to fall out for the furtherance of the gospel as Paul would remind us later Lord may we see that you have a purpose that you have a plan God may we realize that wherever we are that God you want to use us Lord how sad it is that we are so quick to share bad news we're so quick to share the current gossip Lord, may we be quicker to share the gospel. May we be quicker to share our testimony. May we gossip about Christ. May we tell others everywhere we go. And Lord, I pray as we think about Stephen or Philip tonight, Lord. Lord, may we understand that you can use and want to use anybody that is yielded to you. 
Lord, I think you used Stephen in Samaria because Stephen was willing to go. Stephen was willing to proclaim. Lord, I pray you'd use us. Help us to be willing. Lord, help us to share Christ. Help us to make a difference in our community, in our families, in our country, Lord, even in our world. Lord, thank you for the opportunity we have, Lord, to, to learn, to grow by your word. Lord, I pray you bless now as we prepare for baptism. Lord, may you be glorified and honored as we have two tonight, Lord, that are making that public profession of faith and baptism and showing forth uh, what's happened on the inside already. And they're believing and trusting Jesus Christ. Uh, Lord, bless them. Lord, I pray you bless us now as we prepare. In your precious name we pray.